Do you think project management is lame? Do you think productivity is for squares or control freaks? I'm going to break down that myth right now. Your mind is for having ideas, not for holding them. That's why David Allen created Getting Things Done, or GTD for short. GTD is a productivity and project management methodology. The secret of GTD, and this is a secret, so shh, don't tell anybody. GTD is more about being creative and mindful and less about checking boxes. You can't be creative if you're sitting there worrying about all the stuff that's not happening. If you want to be an artist, this will help you create more. If you want to be a writer, this will help you write more. If you want to launch a brand like Gooder, this will for sure help with that. It's insane how many products we launch at Gooder, and without a system like GTD, it would not be possible. Next year, we're going to launch close to 116 products, and it's going to take tens of thousands of next actions to make that happen. That's why everyone at Gooder has taught GTD from day one. We give everyone the tools they need to create. And because of that, should is a banned word at Gooder. We empower the team to take on anything, and we don't let them hide behind the word should. If someone says we should do blank, the common reply is, sounds like you just volunteered. Please prepare a project outline for approval. Dead serious. Today, our GTD expert and my good friend Hansi will be joining the podcast to talk about how we crush it at GTD and fuck it up. GTD is a lifelong practice. Let's talk about ours. Welcome to the Culture Gooder Podcast with our CEO, Carl the Flamingo. Okay, apparently Carl is a no-show, but luckily we have hosts Stephen Lease and Sean Tinney here to take you behind the shades at Gooder. All right, so welcome to the podcast. Today we're uh, excited to welcome Hansi with us as our first guest on the podcast, who is our in-house GTD expert at Gooder. Welcome, Hansi. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yay. Yeah, so glad to have you here. All right, so with a guest, we'll kind of alternate questions back and forth, but I'll kick this first one off for Stephen. Stephen, how did you first hear about GTD? It got reckoned to me by a colleague in 2011 and really was my first introduction into that type of space. I listened to the book basically straight through, started it on a Monday and just became obsessed with it. And that weekend, my, my partner at the time, I went, hey, we got to stop our lives and like completely stopped our lives and built our entire GTD system from scratch. <laughs> so you just went, dove straight in. Just dove straight in and I really just gravitated to it right away. And the crazy thing about it was a year later, a, another colleague who I did side work with was like, hey, uh, I'm doing project with this company called the David Allen Company. I'm going to work on this uh, brand called Getting Things Done. Do you want to work on it? And I was like, I'm sorry, like, like wait, what? <laughs> and so I legit a year later got to work with them. And but I was way into it way before that. So you got to work with GTD and see everything behind the scenes. Did they actually have their shit together? For sure, from a project management standpoint and a next action standpoint, it was extremely dialed. Everybody there was like methodically taught it and and you had to do it. It was non-negotiable. And so from an organization standpoint, completely like they were dialed in. David Allen was very serious about everybody living the practice. Ah, that's good to hear. <laughs> uh, Hansi, what about you? When did you first hear about GTD? So a couple years ago, we had a guest speaker come in to Gooder during Gooder Stock. And Mike Williams, who is a good friend of Steven and now a good friend of the brand, he came in and taught us a two-day workshop. I was pretty resistant uh -huh. because I had my own system in place. Okay. But 
you know, I've slowly adapted it now. <laughs> sure. What was your system before that? A lot of color-coded to-do lists. I used an app, Wonderlist, which doesn't exist anymore, but... R.I.P. And yeah, just lots of to-do lists and stress. <laughs> <laughs> so the color coding was just adding to the stress, huh? Well, it made it pretty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dressing up the stress. I like that. What about you, Stephen? What, what did you do before you found out about GTD? Man, I was thinking back. I'm not sure what I did in full transparency. I think just a to-do list in Evernote, probably. Mm -hmm. Nothing organized whatsoever. And so when I think back, I can't even believe I functioned without it. Right. So obviously that means there was a positive shift. What, what do you feel like the impacts have been since you adopted it? Well, I'll, I'm a type 7, so if anybody listens to Enneagram, you know I'm a high mover. I like to do a lot of things. And I'm able to do legit almost anything I want because of it. Taking on projects of, of mass scale is really, really easy. Those things don't stress me out. So I think my ability to create at will and, so that's number one. And number two, I don't answer emails at night. When I go on vacation, I legit have everything pretty dialed in most of the time. I definitely fuck it up sometimes, but I am able to completely relax when I want to relax, focus when I want to focus. It has changed how present I get to be at times. And also, if I want to go party, I go party. I don't stress about that because I know my shit's together because my system's pretty legit. Pretty solid pitch, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. It's Hansi and I both have legit systems and we party the hardest. So there's something there. That's right. There's got to be. <laughs> Same question for you, Hansi. What has it been like implementing this system versus what you were using before? Well, I've always worked for small companies. And so in that small business world, you kind of wear a lot of hats all the time. Mm -hmm. And so... With GTD, I've been able to manage a lot of roles, which comes with a lot of various projects. And when I started Gooder, I was also homeschooling. So being able to kind of juggle all of those things and still be able to work only 40 hours a week, take the weekends off and unplug during the vacations and absolutely party the hardest. <laughs> yeah, holy shit. You're probably getting back to homeschooling these days a little bit, huh? Yeah. <laughs> is McKinsey taught GTD, Hansi? Yes, she is, and she doesn't do it. <laughs> she actually has her own system. So she was, like me, resistant at first, but... We'll get her. Yeah. Getting things done? <laughs> Question mark. So Hansi, can you give us just a good explanation of the main elements of the system? Yeah, the concept is that your mind is for they're having ideas, not holding them. Mm -hmm. And so there are five areas of the system. The first one is capture. So you're capturing all those thoughts and open loops that are in your head, big and small. So anything from a deadline that's coming up at work to don't forget to pick up laundry detergent at the store. All these things are swimming around in your head. You want to capture them and keep them out of your brain. Then the second step is clarify. So you take those things that you've taken out of your brain and you process what you've captured into concrete, actionable steps that you can do later on. In step three, you organize them. So you put everything you clarified into the right place. So your calendars, your to-do list systems, and then you reflect. So you look over those lists your calendars, you update them, you renegotiate your timelines, you do daily and weekly reviews, and then finally you engage. So that basically tells you 
you know exactly what to work on, where and when, mm-hmm. and what the priorities are. Yeah. Very simple. Cool. So really high level, it just takes everything that's swimming around in your brain and gives you a way to process it and turn it into next actions that you can do or delegate or delete, right? There's a lot of alliteration in the system, I feel like. Yes, definitely. And it's like, if you imagine your laptop, when you get it brand new, it works great, Mm -hmm. right? Your system's great. And then you start adding things to it. You add apps and whatever you add, you download movies and everything. And the system starts getting bogged down and it's slower and it's slower because you're adding all these things in there and it just isn't optimized. So if you picture your brain is like that, you're adding all this stuff every day. We're just consuming so much content, looking at Instagram and reading articles and all of that is coming in. This is helping you get it out and into a offline uh, hard drive, I guess. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Speaking of operating systems, Stephen, you've taken the system to a whole other level with your own uh, SDLOS. Can you talk a little bit about that project? Yeah, for sure. It actually came about working with Mike Williams, who Hansi spoke about. And for, for everybody out there, Mike Williams was former president of David Allen Company, Getting Things Done. He's a co-author on Getting Things Done for Teens, which Hansi and I both recommend over the original. It's more visual. But Mike Williams is, is awesome. He's the one that first brought up the concept of operating systems when we were looking at how to put GTD into Gooder. And he's like, well, you have your own operating system. Because I was talking about some other things we do. And I was like, oh my, oh, wow, we do. And this whole season two is basically sections of our operating system. So after that concept, I realized in my own personal life, well, what is my operating system? And really took a step back and designed it out. And it's super, super elaborate. And maybe even we, we do a bonus episode on this, but really it starts high level of like, what's my purpose? What are my values? And, you know, from there, I have my areas of focus in my life. So I have myself, my friends and family, Gooder. At each of those, I have roles. So like, you know, in with friends and family, I have friend role, a lover role, a son role, a brother role. So each of these areas have roles and then each of those roles have projects. And so everything folds up into each other. And if something lands on my plate and it doesn't fit in an area of focus and a role, I really got to ask myself, why am I spending time on this? Mm-hmm. And so started Gooder OS, made SEL OS, and now going to take some learnings and revamp Gooder OS again. Yeah, that's awesome. I'd love to roll something like that out myself. It's just uh, so in-depth. A lot. Yeah. So Hansi, in addition to teaching GTD in general for people who are onboarding with Gooder or just getting started, you also run a workshop for anyone who has fallen off the wagon. What's that called? And uh, can you talk us through it a little bit? Yeah, it's called I Fucked Up GTD. (laughs) And it's for those that have, you know, fallen off the wagon, as you said, and really just need some extra tweaking for their systems. And, you know, they get off track. And it's very easy just to kind of put them back on track with GTD. So I teach them in that workshop 10 habits that help get them back on the GTD track. Nice. What are the, some of the main reasons that people go off course? Well, new habits, they're hard to learn. It takes a while of consistency and just dedication to picking up a habit implementing anything, a new habit that it just makes you feel great and you see results, but then you start falling back into your old habits and you stop capturing things and, or you're skipping weekly reviews. 
And so that's my big problem for sure. (laughs) That's definitely a big problem for a lot of people. But unlearning those previous habits takes time. And so you've got to unlearn them so you can relearn the new ones. And then one big reason is definitely people don't follow the system completely. And so you don't trust in the system. And that's a really important thing, because if I'm taking all the things in my brain and I'm putting them somewhere else, so I have a clear and open mind to have ideas, I need to have a system that I trust to hold those ideas. So if I don't use the system completely, then I have random ideas that I don't have a place for Mm -hmm. and I don't trust where I'm putting them. So that's a big one. Yeah. Trust in the system has been a huge thing for me, even with something as simple as knowing where I put my keys every day. If I put them in the same place and they're not there, I'm like, well, someone else must have taken them or something because I do this the same way every time. And that just provides such a relief knowing, okay, I've got this pattern established. I know if I had an idea, I wrote it down. It's in my to-do list somewhere. This vague feeling of stress is probably unwarranted. Yeah. And that takes time. Hansi, could you actually talk about I'm guessing this is also something that probably shows up a lot in these classes is people not writing it down actionably. They write down mom or mom's birthday instead of call mom to wish her a happy birthday. Yeah. (laughs) So another reason that people get off track is that one big thing is making sure that your to-do list is a list of next actions. So Mm -hmm. they need to be actionable. They need to start with an actionable verb. So if I just write down on my list, mom's birthday, that doesn't tell my brain anything. There's no actionable term there. It's just a statement. But if I put buy birthday card for mom and a due date, that triggers something in my mind that there's something you need to do and you need to do it by this date. And so just that small switch makes a big difference in your system. Yeah. So what are some of the other strategies that you use to help people get back on track with their system? Number one is always the weekly review. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. If you're not doing a weekly review, yeah, you're not doing GTD. So there's that having a place for all of your stuff. So that's physical and digital stuff Mm -hmm. that you go through on a consistent basis. So there's number one habit is make sure you have a physical inbox. So that could be something on your desk. That could be a plastic envelope in your backpack if you work remotely. And that's something that you go through and clarify that those items of stuff Mm -hmm. is really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I remember David Allen talking about this of a junk drawer is basically you're admitting that you don't want to do anything with that stuff. (laughs) Yeah. And so a pile of papers is the exact same concept. Those are just a a bunch of tons of empty, like strings frailing in the wind. You know, you got to tie those off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One other thing is inbox zero. We let our emails just accumulate there. I have a friend that showed me his and he had over a hundred thousand in his red bubble. Oh my God. Oh no. We're no longer friends. (laughs) (laughs) But inbox zero is something that feels really good when you open your email and there are no emails there and you know that you have everything captured and organized into a system. But that is definitely a big takeaway that some of the people in the class have come back to me and said, that's really changed my life. 
Right. I'll bet someone listening has a, a badge with a ridiculous number in it for their emails. What's your strategy for that person? Delete all. <laughs> <laughs> you can just archive all. The search feature is so good anymore on email, right? That's true. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, if you have 100,000 emails in there, I'm willing to bet a very big number of those emails are obsolete. Mm-hmm. So. Right. You haven't replied to them yet. So you might as well just declare email bankruptcy and start fresh. huh? Exactly. Yeah. And if they really need you, they'll ping you again. Right. Well, Sean, I think that, that idea of email bankruptcy is real. Same with system bankruptcy. Sometimes if you've kind of been doing it half-ass for a while or it gets out of control, because when you first do it, people will have 150 projects on there and you realize that's unobtainable. And so I've heard Hansi talk about it before. Sometimes the best thing is just declare bankruptcy. So like, and just start from scratch because then you're getting the things that are on the top of your mind and go from there. I don't know, Hansi, if you have anything to add to that. No, but every time we say email bankruptcy or whatever, I think of Michael Scott. (laughs) I declare bankruptcy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I'm going to have to declare browser tab bankruptcy pretty soon here. (laughs) Oh no. got one window that's like all these articles that I intend to read. I'm just going to go over to the little red X and close all. (laughs) And to do this, you can just download a thing for Chrome and it'll just put it into your to-do list of, <laughs> to read later. Ah, there we go. Right. Well, I think you should delete all first and then start <laughs> that. Start over. Step one, clear it out. Step two, uh, get a plug-in. Yeah, right. <laughs> cool. So it sounds like habits or forming strong habits that you'll actually stick to is a big key to this system. So Stephen, do you have any tips for how you've gotten some of your habits on track? So remembering in this, you don't have to do everything at once. I think when you come into it from the outside, it looks so big and you can make it as big or as small as you want, right? The two minute rule is just a premise of GTD of if something in your life takes less than two minutes, do it immediately. And then you realize how many things start falling off. So that's an easy entry point. Another easy entry point is the weekly review. So much of the time we have the same things going on, like looking at Slack, looking at Gmail, looking at our calendar, at Gooder, you know, all of us have to kind of fill out a few different like weekly agendas for slides. Your ability to just do a weekly review is so important. If you did nothing but write everything down, did a weekly review in the two minute rule, you are 80% of the way there. And so I think my big advice is not to try and do everything at once because it is too overwhelming. Seems right to me. Yeah. Nancy, uh, any other tips for forming good habits? I mean, that is absolutely my number one tip is start small and then build from there. Mm -hmm. I recommend the book Atomic Habits by James Clear that has some really, really good actionable steps to help you create habits that will last. So nice. You have a quick high level summary of that for us? Basically, if you want to have better results, then don't set goals. You need to focus on your system. And really what resonated most with me in the book is that the most effective way to change your habits is to focus not on what you want to achieve. So not on those goals, but who you want to become. So Mm. instead of I'm going to do a weekly review for two hours every Friday because that's what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. My goal would be to be a more productive person or a more organized person and work toward that goal because I wish to become that person. And a productive person does a weekly review. So I will build the habits to get me closer to become that person that I want to be. That's awesome. 
Steven, I know you have a similar take on intention versus goals. We were just talking about that a little bit on the side. You want to give us your take on that? Yeah, for sure. I understand the benefit of goals and goals should be measurable. So just setting that out there. But I've actually went to using the words intentions because a goal, you have failed at it until you achieve it. And so that's not a great place to be looking at like, oh, my goal is to do a weekly review every week. So if you don't do that, then you're not hitting your goals. This is my intention is to do this. And so I think that's a really, really important reframe that I've started putting it uh, into my life. And then to Hansi's point, controlling what you can control. So if you're a runner and you want to run a four-hour marathon, that might be your intention or your goal. But to get you there, it might start with, you know what, I'm going to run three days a week, five miles a day. And start with actually things that are down at your level and not so far. The belief is, all right, well, if I do these things consistently, I will become a runner. I will become a four-hour marathoner, like Hansi said. But yeah, like focusing on breaking it down to the first step. Mm-hmm. Becoming the kind of person you want to be. Yeah. You know, intentions, you you don't beat yourself up so much. Right. <laughs> yeah. So Hansi, what do you think the hardest things are for people to pick up with a system like GTD? I think it's committing to the weekly review. Mm-hmm. So the weekly review, they recommend that you block aside two hours a week mm-hmm. to go through your entire system, all of your emails, your to-do lists, your projects, your calendars, all of that. And two hours is a big chunk of time and a big commitment. Mm-hmm. But I've found that every single time that I've committed those two hours, it makes life so much more enjoyable. Yeah. So I can imagine what it would be like if I was doing this every week. And I've done it a few times, but that's been the hardest thing. I think by the time I get to the end of Friday, I'm looking at my list. I'll kind of look ahead at the next week, but it's maybe a five or 10 minute effort versus a two hour effort. Can you explain to me the kind of person I will be or like the way I might feel after a a good two hour weekly review? I will admit that I've rarely taken two hours. Mm -hmm. So my weekly reviews are about 30 minutes in general. Doable. (laughs) Right. Start small. (laughs) But when I have done a large and very detailed weekly review such as that, it's typically before I go on vacation. Ah, yes. And so I'm able to completely shut off work and enjoy and be present during that vacation time. So... Imagine if you were to do a comprehensive, let's not put a time limit because your comprehensive and my comprehensive could look very different time-wise. Sure. You will feel lighter, freer, and more confident that everything in your life is managed and you have it under control. And so you can go enjoy and be present to do what you want to do next. Nice. Well, I've got a vacation coming up next week, so that was a good pitch. I'm in. I'll do it. <laughs> I got a pitch here. All right, let's hear it. <laughs> do you brush your teeth? Yep. Do you like the feeling of a clean mouth? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's nice. How often do you brush your teeth? Twice a day, minimum. All right. How often should you be cleaning all the scuzz out of your teeth? Twice a day? Yeah, probably, yeah. How often should you be cleaning the scuzz out of your mind? Oh, shit. Right? (laughs) You got me there. It's the same mindset, right? Yeah, yeah. Brushing your teeth is fucking boring. We just have all doing it since we're a kid. And so we do it. This is no different. Right. Yeah. 
So it's like a mental health routine, you could say. <laughs> For sure. And I think the thing about a weekly review, to Hansi's point, there's making sure you're not wrapping up doing inside the weekly review. Mm-hmm. So the weekly review itself is just a review. I mark off the first four hours of my Monday that I do a weekly review, but then also I do a bunch of stuff for the week, fill out agendas and things like that. But that's four hours. My weekly review is not four hours. I'm actually reviewing probably 30 minutes to an hour max inside of there. Everything else is just a bunch of two-minute tasks I just tick off. And so that's a really important thing, Hansi, I'm not sure if you have anything to add, but there's defining the work and doing the work. And sometimes when people get their systems, they just spend all this time like, just moving projects and things around instead of doing the work. You see that, Hansi? People spending a lot of time focusing on their systems instead of just trusting them and actually then doing the work. I've seen this before, using it as procrastination. Definitely, especially at the beginning, they spend a lot of time just tweaking their system and trying to make it just right instead of just going in and figuring it out as you go Mm. and adjusting. Yeah. Yeah. So there's maybe a little bit of precious mindset at the beginning of like, this has to be perfect. So I need to do it a particular way. And then ignoring what might work better for you versus just kind of tweaking it to be something that fits with the way that you normally operate. Yeah. I mean, we get stuck in the box of having it to do it just right. And if we don't do it perfectly, then it's easy just to be like, "Eh, forget it. It's too hard. Yeah. Just move on. Right. So It's really, you know, going back to starting small and building and it's taking that time to do the two minute roll and doing those tasks and then building from there or just doing a mind dump, which is, you know, the first step of GTD is to capture and just sit down and write down everything that's on your mind Mm -hmm. and anything that comes up. Yeah, nice. That speaks to some mindset shifts that you've gone through as you've continued to improve your practice. Are there any other big areas that you've had to change the way you approach things to make it work for you? So one of the biggest mindset shifts that has come to me is that work-life balance isn't really a thing. Mm. It doesn't exist. It's not a goal. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. So it's really the coexistence of both work and life. And, you know, I, when I'm at work, I put in a hundred percent effort and I'm present and I'm working on those projects, giving it my all. And when I'm home as a mom or just life, I am putting in a hundred percent effort there and not thinking about work. So they coexist. There's no balance there. Right. Same question for you, Stephen. What are the big mindset shifts for you as you continue to evolve your practice? agree exactly what Hansi said. It's work-life integration, not separation. So just you're here. Yep. <laughs> oh, making it your own and really refining it over time. And so I think that's just a mindset of, you know, I, I have I have made it my own and then I revisit it and realize I like everybody fall off and to create bad habits. So just giving yourself a break is, is really important. Mm-hmm. I think it's the mindset of doing X means I can do Y. And so like I talked about the beginning of hey, this at times you might think is boring. I don't think it's boring because, you know, taking a week off to go to Palm Springs and not looking at email, that's not boring. That's really, that's really <laughs> fun. So there's a cause and effect here. And so right. just always, always having that as a mindset is really, really important. Well, so you've both convinced me that the weekly review is something that I should be doing if I want to be able to be chill and fulfilled, even though I still struggle to do it. I'm down, I'm down to clown at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Hansi, when do you do your weekly review? I do it Friday afternoon. The last thing I do before I shut off my laptop for the weekend. Nice. What about you, Stephen? 
first thing Monday, I don't even look at email or Slack until it's done. And so a lot of people do kind of either do it one or the other. I either one, there's kind of like my camp or Hansi's camp. Right. But I think no matter what day you're going to do it, my recommendation until you form it a habit is it should be the first thing you do that day and you shouldn't open up email or Slack or anything beforehand because that's just giving you an excuse to not do it. Just get distracted. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's just do a quick arguments for for and against Monday or Friday. Stephen, you've chosen Monday, and Hansi, you've chosen Friday. So, Stephen, what did you land on Monday from the jump, or how did you get there? I did Friday for a while. I landed on Monday because so much of my life is just structured that way. I think the main reason is I know no matter what's going on over the weekend or anything that. Monday morning, first thing, I have this time blocked off and I'm getting dialed in and focused. And so I like that I go right into it. I didn't like how on Friday I would do it, but then I kind of like lose a little bit of it over the next couple of days. Mm-hmm. So that's, that'd be my case for Monday. Gotcha. All right. I would also make a case for Friday too, Hansi. I'm sure you're gonna make the same case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's see. What, what do you got for uh, Friday there, Hansi? Well, I like going into the weekend with nothing on my mind. There it is. Ready to party hard, right? Yeah. <laughs> there it is. That's the case for Friday. Yep. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> I'm, I'm sold. <laughs> so, Stephen, as you mentioned in the intro, we banned the word should at Gooder. Why is that? And what usually happens when someone says there's something we should do? For sure. We, I'm guilty of this. We're all guilty of this. But at, at companies, right, you, you sit there and be like, oh, you know what we should do? We should do this. And It actually is kind of a frustrating experience. Since we teach people GTD and Dare Lead and all these other things, we give people the tools to take on whatever they want. So, you know, somebody says, you know, we should do, we were using some new platform and a a person on the team wasn't using the platform and they go, well, you know, we should do is make a deck that outlines how to use this platform. And I go, sounds like you just volunteer and you just like, you look at them because they realize in that moment oh, now I can't sit on the sidelines and use the word should because people who, they have to now get in the arena and start doing it. And it's just a really important mind shift. And and the reality though is we have, you have the ability at Gooder to make project outlines for anything and get them greenlit. And so you create a more fun environment, you create an environment where it empowers people and you create an environment where people don't stand on the sidelines. They actually have the tools to get in the game. Mm -hmm. And so that's the really, really important part about is giving people the tools to create and to do make fucking dope shit. Awesome. I think realizing in real time, as I was talking to you, oh, we should do that's going to land on my plate, isn't it? Yep. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like you just volunteered. (laughs) I think I'm volunteering right now. Um, so Stephen told that story during my interview, job interview for Gooder. Uh-huh. And so right off the bat, I knew, like, don't ever say <laughs> you should do this. I guess the da- that's a potential downside, right? It's like an idea is going to get stopped right at the point where you're about to say what we should do. We're like, mm, nah, I'm good. I got enough on my plate. It helps you reevaluate what you thought of. So we should throw this awesome gooder prom. Like, "Mm, if I say this, I'm going to have to do it. Is this really a project I really want to work on? Mm -hmm. And of course, with that gooder prom example, yeah, that's amazing. So it's allowed me to be more proactive in, hey, I think this is a great idea. I'm not going to say anything about (laughs) it, but I'm going to build out a project brief and then present it. And so I come prepared Ah. when I'm pitching an idea. Like, here you go. Check this out. Yeah. Yeah. And the shift is, for that example from Hansi, the shift isn't like, we should do this. The shift is, I want to do this. Here it is. I want to do this. I've put in the work for it. 
can we? Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and that is really, really important, you know, just owning that you want to do something. And if you don't want to do something, don't dump it on somebody else's plate and you should. <laughs> right. And if you do, think it through first. Yeah. <laughs> or ask the person of, you now have more direct conversations with people that things that don't fall in your bailiwick instead of just being the person on the sidelines that, that does that. Right. Cool. All right. So I'm going to take us over to the lightning round. And what we'll do is I'll ask one question. I'll ask to Steven and then Hansi. So we'll just go back and forth until we make our way through it and see what we do here. All right. So this is all related to the GTZ system, obviously. Steven, digital or analog? Oh, digital. No question. All right. Same thing. Nancy? Both. Oh, all right. Either or. <laughs> Steven, what's your favorite app to make it all work? Todoist for all next actions, Evernote for just random notes, and Google Slides for big projects. Ooh, nice. Nancy, what about you? Todoist for next actions. And I just got an iPad. I'm trying to go all digital. Oh, God. And so good notes. Nice. Did you get the little stylus to uh, write on it or... I did. Nice. Oh, <laughs> it looks boy. like a child's writing, but it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's fine. So, Stephen, how often do you rework your GTD practice? Well, like a well-oiled machine, I'm always tweaking it. <laughs> nice. What about you, Hansi? As often as necessary. All right. <laughs> so, Stephen, what's the coolest project that's come from the whole, we should do this equals, guess what you're doing now, approach? So, Hansi's had a couple. We do Gooderstock. So, Gooderstock... Prom. Did our crews come from this, Hansi? Do you remember? I think you came out to me and said, you know what we should do? <laughs> I really want to do a cruise. <laughs> Derek, who does our licensing and partnerships, before we did licensing with Wonder Woman and Warner Brothers and all these big companies, he came to me and was like, hey, I want to do this. Here's what this looks like. And and so that was his his role basically reshifted because of that. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a great example. <laughs> Hansi, what, what do you got? Oh, well, I mentioned the Gooder Prom. That was... yep. Just an amazing event that we did internally. I think a lot of our trade show booth come from. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This, we should do this type of conversation. <laughs> That's how it turned into a jungle yeah. flamingo habitat instead of just a yeah, exactly. table with a throw cloth. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. So a couple of whiffs and wins here. So Stephen, what's the biggest GTD whiff you've ever had? Yeah, I think something that I've done, I don't do anymore, but people put things on their calendar that aren't time sensitive. Like your calendar should only be like for a meeting, you're having to be there. Time blocking is one thing, but just using your calendar as a dumping ground, like Tuesday, I want to do this. So that is something that I've had to break myself of that habit of like trusting my system, not just throwing stuff on a calendar. Right. Nice. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Hansi? Biggest whiff? It's thinking that just a to-do list is sufficient and thinking that that's basically what GTD was, mm-hmm. a to-do list, and it's definitely not. Yeah. Nice. All right, last question. Stephen, what's the biggest GTD win you've ever had? Gooder. I, mean, I don't know if Gooder gets launched the way it is without GTD. That seems, that seems good. <laughs> seems, like <a> big, <laughs> seems like a good one. That's fine. Yeah. That works. <laughs> what about you, Hansi? I used to suffer from insomnia. I would wake up, I would have a hard time falling asleep. Just had a lot on my mind. I'd wake up in the middle of the night with things on my mind and just stressed about a project that I wasn't sure where it was going. And so I sleep very well now and I take the weekends off. So pretty good pitch, y'all. Super fun, successful company and being able to sleep at night. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. And we, I mean, we already mentioned uh, how we're able to just completely be present when we're partying or on vacation. So 
there's also that. That's three. I mean, it, I think if we haven't convinced you by now, I, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> All right. So let's go to circle bar. So Hansi, what's one thing that you want to answer again or didn't get to bring up today? I know we talked a lot about the weekly review, but there are other steps in the system of GTD. Mm-hmm. So I just want to encourage people to really kind of dive deeper into the system and how it works. Great. Stephen, what about you? On Hansi's point, you know, the show notes will have information. We'll outline this stuff and, and read GTD for teens. So just, you know, there's a starting place. Mm-hmm. For me, two quick stories. One is I will ask people, oh, how's your GTD practice? And Hansi was on this call a little while ago with some people and it's a huge initiative we're doing and i go so and so how's your gtd practice on scale one to five because it needs to be super dialed in blah 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 and he goes oh it's a four you know i got all my next items lined up and i'm like well fact that you said next items and next actions (laughs) makes me think you're more like a one or a two (laughs) so it's like you can't don't bullshit me like (laughs) you can bullshit a lot of people in gtd can't bullshit me Uh, and then I feel like I'm really going to try and get, I mean, I know David Allen. I haven't talked to him in years. I'm, I'm going to try to see if we can just do like a quick bonus episode of David Allen. Like I'm going to try and make this happen. I don't oh, know if man. I can. That'd be great. Nice. All right. So Hansi, any advice for people to follow a similar path with their GTD practice? Keep an open mind. All right. And try it out. Nice. Steven, what about you? Think about GTD as a way to be set free, not, not as a way to restrain you. Awesome. All right. And what are some good next actions for, uh, for those who want to take something away from what we've talked about today? I would say buy GTD for teens and read it. And if you can't do that, you just look at our show notes, go from there, or just do the two-minute rule. You know, just start. Just start. Right. Okay. GTD for teens is the easiest way in. Cool. And Hansi, what about you? Yeah, number one is to read the book, but there are a lot of resources out there that summarizes GTD in a nice bite-size consumable content. Perfect. I just threw a bunch of words out there, sorry. (laughs) It's all good. We'll do our best to cover it in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining us today, Hansi. Thanks, Stephen, and thanks everybody for listening. Be sure to join us next time. We're going to be covering how we've almost completely eliminated email in our workflow at Gitter. Until then, be excellent to each other. Thank you so much for listening. Send us your questions, learn more, and find episode resources at gooder.com slash culture. If you enjoyed yourself today, we would be so grateful if you could please leave us your star rating and review. That minute and a half of your time, it really does help people find us. And don't forget to share us on your stories, tell your friends, tell your parents, tell your dog, or maybe your dog isn't into this kind of thing, and that's fine too. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Culture Gooder and Steven at Steven Lease. That's Steven with a PH because those V people are not trustworthy. Culture Gooder is produced by our in-house Gooder team. The show is co-hosted and written by Sean Tinney and Steven Lease. Maya Morales does PR and promotion. Shelby Farrell handles all things digital. Emily Barber manages social. Teresa Garcia is our supervising editor. And the editor of this episode can be found on the blog. That sweet tune you're hearing right now was created by Mike Eddy of Cucumber Fuzz, recording by Barrett Bowman, and this voice you're listening to is Carrie Blunt. Many thanks to the entire team at Gooder, really, without whom there obviously would be nothing to podcast about. At Gooder, we exist to give you the permission to be unabashedly yourself, unless you're an asshole. So don't be. Until next time.